and welcome to Lunar Magic Tea Time, where we discuss all things magical, mystical, metaphysical, and sometimes even a little mundane. I'm Kristen. And I'm Nancy. And this is our Yule or Winter Solstice episode. So if you grew up in the United States or most Western, quote, Western company, countries, you're going to associate a lot of the things that we talk about with Christmas. Yule is the winter solstice, so the shortest day of the year and the longest night. So it's a solar sabbat. It is the sabbat in which we celebrate the idea of the undefeatable sun, because at this point the sun starts to return. So there's a very good reason that Christianity adopted this time to celebrate the birth of their sun king. And there is no debate. Jesus is represented as a sun king. Um, <laughs> we're not going to get into that. <laughs> but this is, this is the time of year that we celebrate the returning of the light and kind of also the cycle of the year. It's that steady knowledge that even the dark has light and, as, and that the light returns. If you're a listener in the Southern Hemisphere, then you're going to be celebrating Litha, which is the longest day of the year and the shortest night of the year. Both Sabbats celebrate that highest arc or the farthest arc or the closest arc, however you want to phrase that. Um, in the rotation around the sun. And there's, so there's many ways to integrate Yule activities into your more Western traditional practices and a lot of deities to come ask to join your table this time of year. And we're just going to be hitting some highlights and some of our favorite personal traditions. In this and really when you um, think of it, it's really the Western traditions came out of the pagan traditions. Mm-hmm. Everything from that is not the other way around. So many did. So many. So the history of Yule as we know it today um, primarily comes from Germanic sources, it seems, based on, on what I've been able to find. And it references Odin and the Wild Hunt. Um, now, if you're more Celtic, that Wild Hunt tends to happen on Samhain. But for this, the Wild Hunt is on Yule on the solstice. Most cultures have some sort of day or have some sort of festival dedicated to this day. Mm -hmm. And there's many myths around those festivals that talk of a sun deity dying and coming back in some form. But there's also many, many myths of deities coming, dying and coming back throughout the world. Um, Lots and lots of variations on the resurrection myths. These are usually cyclically focused stories to remind us that time is not a straight line, but, but a series of cycles or spirals even. My personal favorite idea of the season is Santa. <laughs> and my house just literally just explodes. Santa figurines and ornaments and pictures and everything. You name it. He has it. it. Yeah, in Santa, in Santa in format. Any, every form of Santa. Salt and pepper shaker somewhere. It's ridiculous, and I love it. The modern Santa, the one you're most familiar with seeing, most likely, is uh, was actually a clever marketing ploy by a Coca-Cola company. Not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it also stems from a variety of places. There's a lot of myths, actually, of... Um, 
de not deities, but creatures coming to sort of take account of your behavior over the year at this particular time. I think Krampus, mm -hmm. he has that story. There's a, there's a lot. And I, I can't remember if I get into it later in, in my notes or not, but there's a lot of cultures and a lot of ideas around sort of checking your behavior. So, you know, we tell kids behave or Santa won't come. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of a bastardization really of the idea of reviewing your behavior for the year so that you can make improvements on the next year. Lifetimes. <laughs> yeah. That's your records. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, there is a Catholic saint from the Middle East, uh, literally St. Nicholas, who distributed gifts to poor children. And uh, there's some great myths around his story, um, some really good ones. There may be a connection to that wild hunt with the idea of Santa being the Holly King. I personally like to think of him representing the spirit of wild and generous giving. Yeah, I was um, doing the research and I like that the holiday taps into the eternal uh, cycle of life and death and the battle of light and dark. Mm -hmm. It reminds us that there's hope, sun will return, and believe me, never before in our lifetime have those words been more than the battle of light and dark and returning to the light. So, yeah, let's bury this year and start anew. Brings us into, how do you pronounce that, Wasa? Wasail? Wasling? W-A-S-S-A-I-L is an old English tradition that's been associated with Christmas since at least the 1400s. Um, and it can probably be traced even further back to similar pagan traditions. You go door to door to offer a drink from the wassail bowl in return for gifts and sometimes sing the lucky household a song but you can also wassail inside your house with your own guests, pass the cup or bowl around and the host blesses each person as they drink. Oh, I really like that one. My mother did something similar many years in a row. When I was very, very young, we would have this very elaborate Christmas party uh, as only my mother could do. And we, that was part of the tradition. Only she would do it because it was kind of an open house format she would do it where where as you entered the house she would offer you the wassail cup and then take your coat so like right when you walk in the door christmas caroling you made your hot cider and your cocoa and well and that's got to be where that stems from because yeah. you know they're you just forget the reasons behind them oh that is a good recipe i know <clears throat> and actually um as with all things, judgment, I guess. Add to a pot of about 500 milliliters or about 16 ounces of the cider of your choice. So this could be a hard cider. It could just be apple cider. It could just be apple juice. Like you don't need to be fancy with it unless you want to be. And then by all means, go bonkers. Add some cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, and a couple of star anise as well as citrus fruit, preferably clementine or tangerine. Now, it doesn't say how to prepare the citrus fruit, but I would uh, cut it into sections and put it in. Peel on because you're gonna want the oils from that peel to kind of okay. get in the stuff. So you just like quarter it? I would, yeah. That's what I would do. Um, 
warm it slowly, but don't let it boil. Add honey or agave or simple syrup. And you can also add rum or red wine. Now, this is the sort of recipe that your grandmother would make. And if you asked her for specific measurements, she would scold you because you measure that with your heart. Grandmas don't measure. (laughs) My grandma, my Nana didn't. I never, I don't know that my grandmother had a cookbook, honestly. But all you're going to do then is run it through a, a strainer and serve it in a slightly warmed mug and then consume to your happiness. So this can be made alcoholic, non-alcoholic. You can add that sort of warm heat that the cinnamons and clove offer to your liking. What's the smell in the house? And you can just have that bubbling ready for guests for hours. And and you can add to it. like Something on, on Yule, we can have have our zoom drink (laughs) so doing that i gotta remember to do that you're in towards the room it's monday night i have really good room (laughs) i always have really good so your christmas tree even has its roots yes i did that (laughs) did that on purpose Um, (laughs) sorry um in the yule log tradition uh from the germanic sorts of areas these days of course it can be represented as a cake uh by all means listeners please look up yule cakes because some of that talent is amazing um or as a decoration on your table. There was a great ceremony around selecting and lighting the Yule log, just very similar to that tradition of going out and selecting the perfect Christmas tree. The log is meant to represent the return of the sun and its enduring warmth. Traditionally, this log is cut large enough to burn for 12 days and nights at Christmas. Big ass fireplace. Well, I mean- For a very low burn. If you've ever been in, um, or if you've ever seen the, f- the photos of the castles where this would have like, yeah. yeah, no problem. <laughs> and this, the, each year it was lit from the remains of the log from the year before. Okay. Uh, no, I don't know the logistics of that. Uh, I don't, I, I don't have the brain space. But, you know, for most of us, that's just, that's just not realistic. It's not possible. Uh, If you like this, the idea of keeping the light lit for 12 days and nights, there's always the option of dark candles. Um, And you just got your Yule Log. Yeah, I've been wanting to do it for quite a few years now. And I've read about it and everything. And I was going to order one and some research said you should go out and either gift it or go get it yourself. So... Um, last weekend, I went out to my daughter. She lives out in the country, and I found a log I wanted and brought it to Justin because <laughs> I've asked him before. Sometimes getting him to follow through is not easy. So he just this is so funny because it was not that far from his truck, and he just happened to have in the back of his truck a saw to cut it down a little bit and the drill to make the circle. It was right there. Oh, that's amazing. So I brought it home. First, I'm deciding on colors and. I was talking to my granddaughter, who's not quite three. She'll be three in March. And telling her colors, and she told me red, white, and silver. Now, I went with red, green, and silver. I might have to swap out when she comes over. (laughs) You'll probably have to swap out when she comes over. Yes, and she'll probably get into it. Um, 
three candles. I got a pewter pagan ornament that's going on the front and one little thing with a red bird and some pine and holly artificial because I think what else I need on it. And then I thought, oh man, I can do seashells. And of course, what else would I have on my log with seashells? I didn't go there. I do need to go get pine cones. I'm hoping I can find some smaller to medium um, cinnamon scented pine cones. Mm. I feel like that's what it means. Yeah. And then I'm just going to go get some of those little picks that you can get at the craft store and or maybe um, a, thing of, a short thing of garland and put it around. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I get so distracted by things. I think I'm gonna have a game playing, and I'm that little dog that goes squirrel. <laughs> so I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I could do this. Uh, candles there, the hollies there right now with my bookcases and everything, trying to get my Christmas Yule village. Things are a little wild, but I'm actually <sighs> accomplished it this year. So that's. I cannot wait to see your Christmas village. Honestly, I'm so excited. So Honestly, I'm so excited. I got the bookcases together. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I mean, uh, you know, you you know the plan for next Halloween. Oh, it's gonna be the yeah village from from literal hell if all things go well. Anyway, we strayed back to Salmon because that's our favorite. But uh, we I also do love Yule. Uh, so let's talk about making a Yule uh, altar or changing up your altar for Yule, however you want to do it. Um. Decorating your altar at the holidays is a fun way to bring the simple reminder of the seasons into your home. Here are some suggestions to of things you can add to your Yule altar. Anything red or green, if that, um, or blue and silver. Those color combinations are both very, very Yule oriented. Uh, red and green candles, or again, the blue and silver candles. Um, antlers or horns. I've got some of those from Justin. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them. Uh, the red berries, evergreen leaves, chestnuts, pine cones. Think of the foliage that if you were to go out and foraged yeah. this time of year, think cranberries. of the things that you would find. I thought about drying some cranberries and spreading it around it, but in time, that's probably not going to happen, but maybe next year. Uh, yeah. um, images that represent the sun, oranges, apples, grapes, Christmas cookies, any of the foods you associate with this time of year. So, um, you know, it would not be untoward, for instance, to stick one of those silly uh, uh, cho or chocolate oranges that you oh, have yeah. to pound. That would fit on your altar. It would not be out of place. One so of the things offerings to the deities. Offerings okay. to the deities, yeah. Some of them like chocolate. Um, <laughs> we used chocolate. to we used to to uh, make the I don't remember what my mother called them because she didn't call them what they are because why would she do that? But we used to take an orange and shove cloves into them in mm -hmm. designs. So especially yeah, if you huh we did that yeah, Remember? Yeah, we did. Um, and um, when we did it, I think we did sigils. Yeah. In into our oranges, and that would be absolutely fabulous and smell divine. What's Santa. on your Santa? Then Santa. Santa. All Santa's all the time here. Um, but in part because I see him as sort of this version of the Green Man, 
I'm not going to find the, the right words. Uh, I honor him very much in the way, in that concept of the version of the Holly King who was facing off against the Oak King. Mm -hmm. So in the mythology, the Holly King on Yule loses to the Oak King. And then the Oak King becomes victorious and he reigns from Yule to Litha. Mm -hmm. And then on Litha, they battle again. And this time the Holly King wins and he reigns from Litha to Yule. Um, so for me, Santa is kind of this version of the Holly King. Yeah. And, and that's the way I treat him. Still smelling that incense. Okay. Um, and it's been out a really long time. Um, I like to add a lot of pine cones. I do like to go out and forage them myself. Um, they're not naked. Um, typically they're painted and stuck in glitter, but I also... Yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't really do Christmas as much as I do what we call glittermas. So, um, but I do cut wee slips of paper and write little wishes on them and tie them in into the little, put them in the little slots in the pine cone. Um, and then as I pack up my decorations at the end of the season, I gather up those wishes and then I set them outside for the elements to carry away or I burn them. It just depends on how I feel in that moment. Like if the weather is particularly nasty and they're just gonna get soggy in it and, and, and then I burn them. put the ashes but aside? Typically I would put the ashes aside and use it uh, for black salt. I really like that idea. Typically. Which brings us to deities. So I've tried, I hope, to be careful to pick deities that are from open practices so that you, all of the, our listeners can invoke them if they choose. Um, but as always, Take a minute and do your research because not every deity, even if it's from an open practice, is going to fit with you. Like, yeah. if if you if you're uh, somebody who doesn't like confrontation, like avoids it at all costs, you're not going to invoke the Morrigan. No. That's not going to make a lot of sense for anybody, and it's really only going to irritate the Morrigan. With that disclaimer out of the way, um, I'll I'll see you. A-L-C-Y-O-N-E, who is a Greek deity, and is the kingfisher goddess. She nests every winter for two weeks, and while she does, the wild seas become calm and peaceful. And she's one of the seven sisters of the Pleiades, which is a constellation. And if you are into Greek mythology and Greek practice, that's a pretty big one. Yeah. From my understanding. Balder, who is Norse, Norse, and his mother Frigga. Now, Balder is associated with the legend of the mistletoe. His mother honored Balder and asked all of nature to promise not to harm him. Unfortunately, in her haste, she overlooked the mistletoe plant. And so Loki, our resident trickster, took advantage of that opportunity and fooled Baldur's blind twin, Holder, into killing him with a spear made of mistletoe. Baldur was later restored to life by Odin. That's a resurrection myth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a different myth on mistletoe, too. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's very to your history under the mistletoe. 
No, 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 I don't think I will be kissing you under the mistletoe there, Hodor. Uh, Bonadia is a Roman deity. This is a fertility goddess and, who was worshipped at a sacred, secret temple on the Aventine Hill in Rome, where only women were permitted to attend her rites. Her festival is held early in December. High-ranking women would gather, would gather at the House of Rome's most prominent magistrates, the Pontifex, Pontifex Maximus. And while there, the magistrate's wife would lead secret rituals at which the men were forbidden, was even prohibited to discuss men or anything masculine at the ritual. Like that one. <laughs> Calic Burr is a is Celtic. In Scotland, she's also called Beria, the Queen of Winter. She's the hag aspect of the triple goddess and rules the dark days between Solon and Beltane. She appears in the late fall as the earth is dying and is known as the bringer of storms. She is typically portrayed as a one-eyed old woman with bad teeth and matted hair. Mythologist Joseph Campbell says that in Scotland, she is known as Calicburr, and along the Irish coast, she appears as Calicbear. Demeter is Greek, and through her daughter Persephone, Demeter is linked strongly to the changing of the season and is often connected with the image of the dark mother in winter. When Persephone was abducted by Hades, Demeter's grief caused the earth to die for six months until her daughter's return. Hey, guess what that is? Yes. <laughs> it's another resurrection myth. It's just presented in the female form this time. Like it. Dionysus. <laughs> or uh, Bacchus. Those are pretty interchangeable that way. Mm -hmm. uh, a festival called Bromalia was held every December in honor of Dionysus and his fermented grape wine. Uh, the event proved so popular that the Romans adopted it as well in their celebrations of Bacchus. Hmm. And that's where we get the term Bacchanalian. Prohali is north and appears in many different forms in Scandinavian mythology and legend. She's associated with both the evergreen plants of Yule season and snowfall, which is said to be Fro Holly shaking out her feathery mattresses. <laughs> I just love that imagery. Saturn is a Roman deity. Every December, the Romans threw a week-long celebration of debauchery and fun called Saturnalia in honor of their agricultural god, Saturn. Roles were reversed, slaves became masters, at least temporarily. And this is the this is where the tradition of the Lord of Misrule originated. And that sort of idea was carried through a lot in, especially in the medieval times, where the court jester would become king for the day. Oh yeah. But that wasn't always necessarily around Yule. I think the most important thing about Yule is community sharing time and space with the people you love. It's meant to be spiritually, spiritually refreshing and replenishing time for the community. And this is when community comes together to share the good from the year past, the excitement for the coming sun. It's a time to repair and to heal, not just our farming equipment, but our soul equipment. Uh, and although most people celebrate 
What? I said, I like that. Soul equipment. Yeah, it's a phrase I've been working with um, a lot lately. Instead of tending the soil, you're going to tend your soul. (laughs) Yes. And even though most people just celebrate the solstice and New Year's, every day in between was given a value. Um, And Nancy has a fabulous idea. Yeah, I was doing the research and I thought it'd be cool because everybody's real clear on the Yule and then New Year's. And then there's the 12 days, but the, the 10 days in between, 11 days, kind of uh, fluid, I guess you would say, everybody's different. So I thought it'd be really cool this year if Chris and I sit down in the next week and think of those nine, comes from the, um, pulls inspiration from the nine noble virtues. But we start out um, the night before solstice is known as Mother's Night. And it's um, kind of honoring ancestral mothers and female spirits and deities and anything that oversees and influences and protects the family, the clan, and the tribe. So we can do the Mother's Night. And then, of course, the next night is winter solstice or Yule. And then we have nine in between. That the people, it's very um, fluid where people looking at different virtues in that. And I thought it'd be cool if Kristen uh, came up with nine and then have a way of honoring each one, whether we do sigils or candles or whatever we come up with. And then the 12th night is, ends up on New Year's. And if, once again, the 12 days are Yule. Everybody remembers the 12 days of Christmas. We're not gonna have a partridge or a pear tree, but <laughs> we can come up with maybe different type of magic or way of honoring. We'll see. We'll see what we come up with. But we're going to put it up on Facebook and um, maybe a little thing on our webpage. And we invite everybody to join in. Join the group on the thing. Or if you want to beforehand, come make some suggestions for the nine virtues. I think it's a good year to do this. It's a great, I think it's a great idea. And I think in light of the way this year has gone, globally mm-hmm. it's an ideal time to reflect on traditions that need strengthening or that no longer serve exactly things to um, get rid of things you need to add in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, because Yule has traditionally been such a community-focused event, um, this is certainly a way to bring a sense of community through the internet, which we have to do this year. We have to do this year. We will be putting up that information on both the website, www.lunarmagicteatime.com, and the Facebook group, <laughs> just yeah. go ahead and search Lunar Magic Tea Time podcast and you'll find us. You can email your suggestions. Oh, I'm so good at segues. Um, <laughs> You're doing very good tonight. <laughs> um, you can email your suggestions for your 12, 12 days of Yule uh, to lunar at lunarmagicteatime.com. You can go ahead and also Instagram them 
and tag Lunar Magic Tea Time because we're on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. That will be kicking up um, bigger and better in the new year because I found out I'm getting new equipment. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, spirit of giving, let me tell you, that was a big surprise and so welcome. Um, so, so the YouTube channel in the new year will be much more active. Um, so as you know, you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and Google Play. Be sure to leave us a like and a review and you can buy merch at Teespring. Awesome. Thank you. We look forward to you participating in the 12 days of Yule. Give us suggestions even suggestions of one of the nine. We're going to come up with something beside the nine noble virtues. We'll come up with a little. Well, uh, well uh, you know what? You know what? We'll figure it out. The, we'll post it. And yeah, we'll figure it out. Suggestions and we'll get it all together. And we look forward to seeing everything you decide to share with us. I'm excited for this. Thank you and have a magical day.